God bless you. You have your Bibles for just a few moments. We're going to turn to the book of Acts, chapter 2. And I want to begin reading in verse number 41. I never turn to Acts, chapter 2, anymore without feeling a connection to my pastor. While Brother Kilgore was with us a few years back when I had neck surgery, one day, I guess, he forgot his Bible. I don't know, but he found mine, and he evidently was studying, and he did what he did in all of his Bibles. He started writing notes out in the margin. And so he began at verse 37 and down through the end of that chapter, he noticed that there were 23 connecting words, conjunctions. The word and is used 23 times in those few short verses of Scripture. And there's a little notation beside this particular portion about what the Holy Ghost adds to your life when you become filled with His Spirit. Powerful. Amen. But that's not my message today. I'm going to read beginning in verse 41. Then they that gladly received His Word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. I want you to underscore that gladly received. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. You can underline that whole verse. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things common and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. Verse 46, And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily. Everybody say daily. And the Lord added to the church daily, such as should be saved. Actually, such as could be or would be saved. Acts chapter 4, verse 29. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings. And grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word by stretching forth thine hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. and They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake the word of God with boldness. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that aught of the things which he possessed was his own, 
but they had all things common. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. And everybody said amen. I want to use this portion of scripture to talk to you for a few moments this morning about when the church is at her best. When the church is at her best. Say that with me. When the church is at her best. And everybody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. She is embellished with many grand titles in Scripture. She is called the Bride of Christ, the Body, the City of God, the Flock of God, God's Husbandry, the Household of God, the People of God, the Kingdom of God, the Lamb's Wife, the Temple of God, and many others. But we know her more personally as the church. Not just a building, but the called out ones. God's representatives in this world. The church that we read concerning in Acts was a church that had been birthed in the flames of a holy fire. The Holy Ghost and fire had fallen. The power of the Holy Ghost had been experienced. It didn't happen in a boardroom. It didn't come out of a planning session. It was a Holy Ghost eruption. Amen. It was a Holy Ghost eruption. There was a powerful move of God's Spirit that turned that place upside down and turned the lives of many, many thousands upside down. And that today is what I hunger for more than anything else. I want that kind of power in our services. Amen. This was one or some of their finest hours, but I do not believe that it was their finest hour. They didn't have a program, but they did have a commission. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. And they went and did exactly what the Lord had told them to do. It is amazing to me that the church of Scripture had less resources at their disposal to impact their world. And yet in just a few short years, according to historians, the majority of the known world had been converted to Christianity. Revival broke out in every community and people were added to the church daily. Everybody say daily. They didn't have the tools that we have. They didn't have broadcasting system. They didn't have all of these instruments. They didn't have all of the comforts that you're surrounded with. They didn't even have a building to meet in. They didn't even have an air conditioning system to keep them comfortable while the preacher sweats and works and labors over a message. All they had was a hungry heart and the power of an almighty God. And that was all that was needed to turn their world upside down. 
Maybe, maybe what we need to do is get rid of some of these things that we have become dependent upon and get back to what really works, and that is the power of Almighty God working in our midst. Come on, clap your hands to the Lord and praise Him with me right now. It is amazing to me that a church that had no resources could impact the world like that, and we, with all of our resources, find it hard to do the simplest things for Him. Maybe we need to get rid of the program and go back to the power. Amen. Anybody hungry for power here today? Anybody here hungry for the Holy Ghost? I wonder if we can really stand a Holy Ghost revival around here. I know we talk a lot about it, but I don't know if we can really handle it. But I'm hungry for it. Amen. Our text shows us the church, what I, what I think is in its best. When we read Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 4, we are seeing the church in some of its finest hour. We are seeing it doing what it was commissioned and called to do. We see her in her glory doing what God had commanded them to do. And so when I looked at this, I, I began to think about this church in its greatest light and the church at its best. And God began to talk to me, and I want to share with you a few of those things of what I consider to be necessary for the church to be at its finest. Certainly, she is at her best when she operates in the power of the Holy Ghost. None of us are talented enough, and none of us are gifted enough to do what needs to be done in the lives of people but when we become filled with the Spirit, so something amazing happens when we become filled with the Spirit. And I believe the key word there is filled. There was no room for anything else. Maybe that's our problem today. We've got so much of everything else, we have a hard time finding a place for God to fit in our life. But they said God is everything and so we're going to start with God and then let everything else find its place in our life. And because they lived like that, they impacted their world and they turned their world upside down. Maybe there's an inversion in life that we need to go back and correct and we need to get back to that place where we too are filled with the Holy Ghost. Somebody say filled. Come on, say it again, filled. This bottle right here is filled with water. That means that there's no room for anything else. There's no room for hatred. There's no room for bitterness. There's no room for jealousy. There's no room for carnality. There's no room for worldliness. There's no room for anything but what is in here. That's the kind of church that I want to have. That's the kind of church that God's looking for. A church that is filled with His Spirit. Amen. They were a church where things were happening. The supernatural, healings, miracles. The Bible said signs and wonders. I have to admit to you this morning that sometimes church is boring and too predictable. What we need is for less predictability 
and more Holy Ghost power. What we need is breakout, church. What we need are things that cannot be explained and they cannot be understood by the human mind. We need things that make the doctor scratch his head and say, I know it was there yesterday, but I don't know what's happened. It's not there today. We need something that can look in the face of a judge and say, I don't know what's happened to this man, but I know what he was yesterday. He was a drunk and an alcoholic and a cheater and a liar, but today he's contributing to his community. That's the kind of church that we need to be, and that is the church at its best when we are in the power of the Holy Ghost. If you don't like that kind of church and that makes you nervous, you better start taking some anxiety pills because that's what I'm praying for. I'm praying for breakout church. I'm praying for church that starts when you get out of your car out on the parking lot. Somebody said, oh, what was that? Oh, oh, maybe I just lost my balance. And no, you didn't lose your balance. That's the Spirit of God trying to woo you. Say, come on in the house. There's something good going to happen in that place today. Amen. I hate starting at 1030 sharp and ending at 12 o'clock dull. We need Holy Ghost. We need to break out of our rut. We've gotten so predictable. We know exactly how to patty cake for Jesus. We know all of the songs. We've gotten so lazy, we don't even have to memorize them. We put all the words up there for you. You don't even have to commit something to your heart. It just comes out of our mouth. It needs to get down in the soul. It needs to get down where it belongs, down in the heart, so that when you open your mouth, there's a praise that comes out of your lips because of the goodness of God and the mercy of God and the grace of God. Somebody ought to praise Him today. Somebody ought to say, God, you've been too good to me for me to sit down and be quiet. I've got to tell somebody, He loved me. He saved me. He forgave me. He redeemed me. He healed me. He made me what I am today. Oh, come on, clap your hands to Him and praise Him. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Amen. The church in its finest hour is a church that expects great things from God and attempts great things for God. And when they do, something's going to happen. When faith dies, so does achievement, and so do miracles, and so do signs, and so do wonders, and so does the supernatural. I'm hungry. For something we can't explain. I heard about it yesterday at a funeral. Years ago at a Bible school in Tulsa, Oklahoma. There were young people who were gathered in a prayer meeting. Praying and seeking the face of God. Wanting to know more about the truth of God. And while they're in the prayer meeting. A blue haze fills the whole sanctuary. That you could visibly see. I've heard it told in times past where there was a covering over a group of people and people driving by saw a cloud or a mist hanging over the building and they came in to see what was going on. You say, Brother Hugh, that sounds like, that, that, that sound like you ate something bad for supper last night and you had bad dreams. No, that's the Holy Ghost. That's what the Spirit and power of God could do. 
It can take a lame man and put power in his leg so he can get back up on his feet. It's the same power that can touch the eyes of the blind and they be open and speak to the deaf man and he come out of that deaf grave. Hallelujah. The Holy Ghost. Everybody say the Holy Ghost. I don't want more programs. I want more power. Sometimes we get so program oriented that that's all we think about. But I want power. The church is at her best when she is bold. Amen. When she is bold. The Bible said that when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they spake the word of God with boldness. There's too much timidity among us. There's too much fear in our hearts. They were not intimidated by their surroundings. They were not intimidated by their culture. They were not intimidated by their government. They were not intimidated by the religious hierarchy of the day that would stand and that ain't necessary. Pardon my crude English. That isn't necessary. It might be bad English, but it's good theology. Folks, listen to me. There's a lot of folks that are afraid to be Pentecostal because of the stigma of being... Pentecostal is not a denomination. Pentecostal is an experience that was birthed in the book of Acts. And if you can find anywhere where anybody made it any other way, you come and help me see it. Because what I see is a people that were filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance and they went out and they moved their community and their world and they turned their cities upside down. They said of Peter and Paul or Peter and James, these are ignorant and unlearned men. But we have to pay attention to what's happened because of the power of God's demonstration. They were not afraid. We have a message that the world needs to hear. Some of us need to come back and realize that. Amen. Some of us have been saved for so long, we forgot what being lost was like. We've forgotten the lonely nights. We've forgotten the haunting of the mind. We've forgotten all of the troubles. We've forgotten the heaviness. We've forgotten the burden. We've forgotten all of those things that went wrong in our life. And now here we are. We've been filled with the Spirit. We've been living for God for a long time, and we've gotten used to it. Somebody needs to have a rebirth this morning. Somebody needs to go back to that place where you first found Him, or really where He first found you, and say, God, do it again in my life. Rebirth in me that new feeling. Rebirth in me that spirit of newness. God, do a work of restoration in my heart because I want that boldness to stand up and declare your word to a lost and dying world. The world needs to hear what we have to say. Unfortunately, we don't say it often enough or loud enough. Amen. The church is at her best when there is a hunger for more. The Bible says they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. There was an atmosphere in the early church of learning. The word doctrine here is not a passive word. It was not speaking in reference of a creed or a set of rules or a set of laws, but it was an active word. 
It was something in the Word that was alive and powerful. And as they heard of the riches and the grace of God, they said, oh, tell me more. I need to know more. And so every day they would come back and say, I want more. I want more. And the next day they would come back and say, I want more. I want more. There was in their life a hunger for more. It means that they persisted in listening to the apostles as they taught them and they expected something to come out of that, there was a hunger for more because the riches of Christ are unsearchable. And because the riches of Christ are inexhaustible, we should ever, ever, ever be looking for more because what God has done is nothing compared to what He wants to do or what He can do And what God has already done is nothing compared to what is still before us. They were a church that believed that before them were greater things than what was behind them. And their future was greater than their past. The greatest peril of the church is when we become static and stagnant. And we only look backwards at what was. And we quit looking to the future to what is. And here was in this early church an atmosphere of hunger. Oh, God, you're so unsearchable, and your riches are so great. There's got to be more that I can know and more that I can have. There's got to be more people in this city. There's got to be more people in my neighborhood. There's got to be more people in Webster. There's got to be more people in Friendswood. There's got to be more people in League City. There's got to be more people in this community that need you and hunger for you. When the church is at her best, there is a hunger for more. How many of us today could truly say we are hungry for more? Amen. I am so dissatisfied with what I have right now. Please don't misunderstand me. I don't mean I'm not happy with what God has given me. I'm dissatisfied with all God has given me, how little I have accomplished. Amen. Because the unsearchable riches of Christ, the inexhaustible, unknowable riches of Christ, because there's still so much in God that He hasn't even shown us. You know what's so great about God? He doesn't have to do anything twice. You and I, we do our best. If we have a good day, we want to duplicate it. We have a good attitude. We want to find how to recapture that good attitude. God doesn't ever have to recapture anything. God is so powerful that every day he can do something new, something that he's never done before, something that's never happened. Why is it that all that we do in our life is look back on yesterday and say, oh, God, please do it again? You know what I'm saying? God, I want you to do some things you've never done before. I want you to reach some people you've never reached before. I want you to stir some families that have never been stirred before. I want you to reach the hardest of the hard. I want you to reach that one that's the most impossible. The one that says they'll never, never come. Those are the ones that I'm looking for. When the church is at her best, there's that kind of hunger. More. Somebody say more. More. I want more. I want more of God. I want more of His Spirit. 
I want more of His power. I want more of His grace. I want more of His mercy. I want more of His love so that I can go into the world and touch those who need Him more than anything else in life. When, when the church is at her best, there is a sense of excitement about the church. We read it in Acts chapter 2. And the Bible said, and they gladly received the word. There was an air of excitement about when they started seeing what God was doing. And all these people receiving the Holy Ghost and speaking in tongues. And, and, and they were speaking in their language. They, they could understand what was going on. They, they saw the sovereign work of God. They saw miracles happen. Signs and wonders. I don't even know what all transpired that day. All I know is he said there were signs and wonders that were done in their midst. And it was so appealing. It stirred their curiosity and their hunger. There was an excitement about coming to church and coming. So much so, the Bible says that daily they came to church. Now, that would hair lip somebody. Pardon. Yeah, you have a hard time getting here on Sunday sometime, but daily. There was such a hunger and such an expectancy. They didn't want to miss anything. Wednesday night, Sunday morning, Sunday night. It didn't matter when the doors were open. They wanted to be there because there was something exciting. Something was going to happen. You know what I believe? I believe that when we get excited about God, God's going to do some exciting things among us. When we get to that place where we can't wait to get to church, we can't wait to lift our hands, we can't wait to praise Him. There's going to be some exciting things happen around here. Amen. My little granddaughter, she gets so excited about coming to church. She wanted, she got to where she wants to come early. Early. Not late, early. Can I get a witness? She wanted to come early. And I hope we make it. It's 1030. You're not going to make it if it's 1030. You're late. You know what's amazing to me? Dillard's can put a 50% off, an extra 50% off. And they will line up around that mall out there waiting for the doors to open. And all they're going to do is spend money. And buy stuff that's going to deteriorate and wear out. And be out of style in six months. And worse than that, you're going to come to church and somebody else is going to have it on and you ain't ever going to wear it again. But get to church early? Brother Hughes. Look, folks, we start church at 1030. I didn't mean to get on this, but I need to for a little while. We start church at 1030. I grew up, we had to be at church at 930 on Sunday morning. It's 1030. Some of you folks are going to be late to your funeral. I remember Brother Rex Johnson, there was a woman in his church in Austin. She could not get to church on time. I mean, good woman, but she could not get to church on time. She died. And so they started to bring her casket in and put it up. And he said, oh, no. Oh, oh no. He stopped them in the foyer. He said, there ain't no way she's coming in this building on time. And he made them hold her body out in the foyer five minutes after church time, after service was supposed to start to bring her in. He's not going to break a tradition.
Come on, folks. When you get excited about something, you want to be there early. You want to sit up front. You want to find out, can I get involved? Can I help out? Is there something I can do? Is there a place for me to be? Is there a place for me to fit in this community? Oh, excited. Everybody say excited. Hey, man, I didn't even get any caffeine this morning, but I'm excited this morning. I'm excited. I want to be that way about church. I want this place to be more important than Dillard's or Walmart or any other shopping place. I want it to be more important than the golf course or, or, or some theater or something else or some swimming pool or some other activity or event. I want the church to become the most exciting thing in my life. I want it to mean more to me than anything else in my life because it ought to mean that to me. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, the difference between that church and the church today, and not just our church, but the church today, is that the church then, they did not go out and look at the world and think, what has become of the world? They went out into the world preaching and saying, look what has come to the world. For God so loved the world that he gave. <laughs> That's the difference between then. We go out and look around and we think, oh, you know what we ought to do is go out and say, you know what, in me is a living spirit. In me is the holy presence of God. And in me is a power to do more than I'm doing right now. God, would you help me to reach somebody today? Would you help me to make a difference in somebody's life today? Would you help me to make a difference for somebody on the road of life? Let me touch somebody's soul today. Hallelujah. The church is at her best when there are certain sounds that come from her. When there is the sound of worship and praise and adoration. When men are not elevated, but he is. When gifts are not exalted, but he is. When talent is not promoted, but Jesus is. That's when the church is at its best. They never forgot the house of God, and they never forgot how to worship God. Things happen when we come together in worship and praise and prayer. They are at their best when there is the sound of prayer coming from its midst. That there is that groaning and hunger of the Spirit that reaches out when you realize that, God, we are no match for this world. And we cannot face this world without your help. And you fall on your knees and you begin to travail in prayer before God. God is going to move in your family and in your situation And the church is at her best when there is the sound of joy and happiness in her midst. I want to tell you something this morning and you hear me well. A gloomy, negative, critical, cynical Christian is an oxymoron. And if you don't know what that means, it's a contradiction. The Bible said they ate their meat with gladness. And singleness of heart. There was a joy. Woo, hallelujah. Smile on the face. Praise God, hallelujah. You know what, if I could help some of you understand, some of you are so tired. I, I, I've heard some of you say, Brother, you, I am so tired. I'm tired all the way into tomorrow. Well, I got you beat. I'm tired into next week. But you know what I learned a long time ago? 
it takes more muscles for you to frown than it does for you to smile. So that means every day you wake up with a frown on your, on your face, you're already overworking yourself. You might lift a load by just smiling. Amen. If nothing else, it'll confuse the devil. Huh? Oh, some of you weren't ready for this. I know you're waiting on that free lunch. You know what? You may get out there and find out there ain't no free lunch. I wouldn't do that to you. Pardon my, I don't know why I'm so crude. My English this morning is so bad. When the church is at her best, she is impacting her community for God. She is at her best when people are attracted to her. The Bible says that they had favor with all the people. Favor with all the people. Something about her made people want to be around them. I wonder if that's true about us. You know, I hate to say this. I don't even, man, I'm, I'm, I'm so far out left field today, it won't hurt for me just to stay. But I'm, I, I cannot even imagine. I don't care if you have the worst service you can ever imagine at a restaurant. You ought to tip a person just because. To show them that you're better than their service. So, brother, not me. Well, bless your little puny heart. Have you ever considered the fact that maybe your kindness in the face of their rudeness could change their whole perspective on life and make them come back and say, you know what, I don't know why, but I am just drawn to you. What is it about you? I want to know what's, what, what, what do you have? What, what is it about you that makes you happy and smile? What is it that even when people treat you bad, you find a way to turn and do good? What is it about you? That's when the church is at her best. When people are drawn. It doesn't mean you let people run over you. I, I'm not saying that you lay down and become a doormat for people to mistreat you. I'm just saying that you do what the Bible said. That when they smite you on your right side, you turn them to the left side. I really am meddling right now. You know, somebody could heal something in your family right now if you'd quit being a squawker. If you don't know what that is, come and see me after church, I'll tell you. You could heal something in your family by quit being a complainer. You could heal something among your children and your husband or your wife if you'd quit being a criticizer. They'd want to be around you a little more. Well, oh me, bless God. I'm not preaching anybody here. It's all those people that didn't come, those that are going by on the, right, on the highway right now. Just pass that on by. She was at her best when others were attracted to her. You have to show yourself friendly to be found to be a friend. She made herself beautiful so people were attracted to her. Folks, you don't have to dress trashy for people to look at you. They're going to look at you if you dress that way, but not for the right reasons. There ought to be a beauty about you that makes people come up and say, you know what, I, I don't know what it is, Brother J.D., but you know what, something about your attitude, just it, what, what is it in you? Have you ever had that happen? Somebody come up and say, 
There's no greater compliment. That's when the church is at its best. It's when the world is attracted to us and we're not repelling them. And you know what? We get the mentality sometimes, this is our fortress. Somebody man the walls. Somebody guard the doors. This is not our fortress. This is just a meeting place. We come in here to worship. We go out there to serve. And you're not living for God. You hear me. You are not truly living for God if all you do is come in here and worship. You're only living for God when you take what you find in this place and you go out into a world and you start spreading hope seed. Yeah. Yeah. You start spreading a little joy. You start spreading a little happiness. And you start spreading around a little cheer. You let the Holy Ghost come out of you. You don't have to make it. You don't have to go into work talking in tongues. You don't have to go into work and, and fall out in a trance in the spirit. And, and people say, oh, what happened? I love talking about that. I'm just talking about letting the joy of the Lord just kind of come up out of your soul. Letting the Spirit of God manifest itself in love and kindness and cheerfulness and goodness. That's when the church is at her best. When she is impacting her community. She is at her best. Listen, and I'm going to close. She's at her best when she is providing a sanctuary for everybody. The Bible said all people. Everybody say all people. That means Democrat or Republican. I told you the other night. I'm going to tell you again. We are not donkeys or elephants. We're lambs in this church. Outside these walls, you can be whatever you want to be. But when you walk through those doors, you become a lamb. You're part of his family. And we're not Democrat or Republican. We're not going to promote that in that sense. What we're going to do is stand for right. And if the Democrat's right, we're going to stand with him. But if the, if the Republican's right, we're going to stand with him. It doesn't matter what their flavor is. If they're going to do right, we're going to stand with them. If they're not going to do right, we're not going to stand with them. But when we come in this place, we are children of the Almighty God. And it doesn't matter our background. It doesn't matter our pedigree. It doesn't matter how much money we've got or how little money we have. The doors are open to everybody who comes to this sanctuary. Brother R.E. Johnson, pastor in Richardson, Texas years ago, one of the great preachers of yesterday, just an awesome preacher, but he talked about one time he prayed for revival and God spoke to him and said, I'm going to give you a hippie revival. I think I told you all about that, a hippie revival. He said, a hippie revival? What's that? God said, you'll find out. Next thing he knows is all these hippies. Back then, it was in the late 60s, early 70s, long ponytails and dirty clothes, hadn't had a bath in weeks. Just, they started filling his church up. Actually, they started receiving the Holy Ghost, and God started cleaning them up. One of them became his son-in-law, later on became a preacher of the gospel. God's got ways of moving people we don't even have any clue you know what? Our door's open to whoever. We may not like it, but you know what? God didn't ask me whether I liked it or not. He said, I died for every man. Whatever their color is, whatever their race, whatever their creed, whatever their background, whatever their pedigree, whether they have it or they don't have it, I died for everybody. She is at her best when there is ministry to the needs of people. Every place became a platform for them to declare the gospel.
none more than in the world in which they lived. And this is how they lived. They found a need and they filled it. They found a need and they filled it. That means you've got to have somebody willing to get involved. And it means you have to have somebody that's willing to volunteer and say, God, send me. Ministry is happening all around us. Ministry opportunities are happening all around us. Not just a place to attend this church, but an opportunity to serve is how we should look at the body. To use our talents and our gifts for the kingdom of God. To find a need and fill it. To find a hurt and heal it. There was a man with a withered hand who came to the synagogue. And Jesus fastened his attention on him. He is like many in our world who are hurt. In our neighborhood, in our families, in our community. People who have been done wrong. People who have been mistreated. People who have been damaged by life. But Jesus took note of a man with a withered hand and he met his need. Oh, that greater life church could let our spiritual antenna go up so that we could become one who seeks out the hurt of others and finds a way to heal it and finds a need and fills that need. The church is at her best when she resembles Jesus Christ. And Jesus went to the uttermost. One's, one man said, no, he went to the guttermost. And so it is. For God so loved the world that he gave. Oh God, help us to become that kind of church. Power-filled, Holy Ghost-filled, miracles, signs, wonders. Oh, I, I'm longing for the time when we start service before the music ever begins. And I'm, I'm longing for the day when some of you will go ahead and set your clock ahead just ten minutes. Just ten minutes. So you be on time. Why? Because I'm excited about what's going to happen. I don't have the best pastor. I don't have the best preacher. But God's better than all of us. So he can do miracles that the preacher can't do. Oh, well, we don't have the best this or that. You know what? We don't have the best. You don't have to have the best of anything. If you have God, that's all that matters. They didn't have all of these things that we have. They didn't have half the things that you're going to see out there that we're endeavoring to do. And yet they impacted their community. Folks, I promise you. If you'll open your eyes and you'll look around, you'll see there's something for me to do. Not just criticize or carp or gripe, but put my hand to the wheel and say, Lord, if you can use anybody, use me. Let's stand together.